Welcome to the Mornings with Sue and Andy podcast for Friday, June 3rd. Every Friday morning, we get an update on all the important things affecting Calgarians when we check in with Mayor Jody Gondek. This morning, we talked to the mayor about the costs of the Calgary climate strategy, the new street harassment bylaw amendment, and the back-to-work plans for city employees. Nominations for the Calgary Small Business Awards are now open. We get details on the categories and how you can nominate your favourite business when we talk about the importance of small businesses in our community with our friends at the Calgary Chamber. The U.S. has seen more than 260 mass shootings so far in 2022, with the latest this week in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We talk with Global News Washington Bureau Chief Jackson Prosco about what, if any, progress is being made in the battle over gun control in the United States. We'll also touch on what the U.S. is doing to offer further help to Ukraine as war in that country rages on. And now that offices are opening up and teams are back together, it's important for company leaders to understand the latest trends and to create healthy workplaces. To help you get the most success from your people and your business, we've got hot tips and tricks from PR pro Ellen Parker of Parker PR. And what will it cost to get Calgary on the path to net zero? Joining us to talk about that and all things going on in the city of Calgary, Mayor Jyoti Gondek. Hi, Mayor. Hey, Sue, how are you? Excellent. Thanks for being with us. Uh, Andy's in Vegas and I understand you're on the road too. Are you anywhere as exciting? Oh, well, I'm in the Queen City. Which is? London, Pulse England? capital of Canada. Oh. I'm in Regina. <laughs> in Regina. Fantastic. <laughs> what are you doing there? That's almost as exciting as Vegas. It's almost as exciting. Um, the Federation of Canadian Municipalities is having their annual event here, and uh, we had the Big City Mayor's Caucus yesterday. We will be hearing from some of our federal leaders today, and a lot of work around reconciliation, housing, and transit. Okay, super important. Obviously, we'll get an update from you that next week when we talk to you and you've you've gone through all the meetings, et cetera, but still lots to talk about today. And uh, the Calgary Climate Strategy, Pathways to 2050, presented to the Community Development uh, Committee, city estimating cost of $87 billion on this. How's it going to be funded? You know, what's interesting, and I've said this many times, our administration writes reports to give us information, and it's not often a balanced presentation on page one, which is what people tend to pick up right away. I've always said, please outline what the costs are as well as what the benefits are. And if you get to about page 15 or 20 of the report, it does indicate that if we are inactive on this, it will actually cost us close to $80 billion. So the entire point of presenting a climate strategy to council is to show us that this is serious and we need to figure out a way to mitigate the impacts of climate change. There is no immediate ask for $87 billion, so I need to clarify that up front. What we will need to do is speak with our federal and provincial partners and go to capital markets to get the type of funding we need to make changes we need, like electrifying fleets, uh, creating more energy efficiency in our buildings, things like that. Okay. Uh, That's an important one because a lot of people have been talking about that. So here's another one that uh, getting a lot of buzz is this new street harassment bylaw amendment. Can you break down the details and and why you felt it was important, why council felt it was important to put this in place? Well, historically, let me just um, once again point out that it was Councillor Farrell that said for many years we need to do something about street harassment. And we had many um, women's groups come to us and say this has to stop. Over time, we have also seen that um, there is... An incredible amount of tension in our world right now. Things are very polarized, and there's still some pretty racist things that are said to people as they're out and about in public spaces. 
So with this bylaw, anyone who experiences any type of harassment out in public areas can contact 311. Um, if there's a bylaw officer in the area, you can explain to them what's happened. And we ha- are sending a message that you have to treat people with civility and respect in our city. If we want to be inclusive and welcoming, we won't tolerate things like this in Calgary. And I do love that because in principle, it is a, a, a really important message to send out for people who live here, but also for people who are visiting. But how, you know, uh, so I get catcalled. So I have somebody who's harassing me on the street and I call 311. I just, I, you know, I think that's kind of what everybody's thinking is how, how do we enforce this and, and, and punish anybody in the end? Yeah, you know what, it's, it's always tough to figure out how the enforcement is going to work. But I think the important thing to remember is once you call 311 and you log that something's happening, we also are able to collect data. And if people are more comfortable doing this in spaces and places where they think they're not going to get called out or caught, um, maybe we can ramp up enforcement efforts in those areas. And Sue, I'm going to be like completely honest with you. Um, when you're walking down the street and somebody says something to you that is completely offensive, it jars you. Yeah. It absolutely jars you. I, I don't appreciate hearing from people go back where you came from, Canada's for Canadians. I get that. So we need to do things about this. Yeah, I agree with you for for 100% on that one. Uh, let's move to this because I know there's an article that came out. City staff is going to continue splitting work time between home and office. So that's pretty been pretty much agreed that, you know, with a sort of a, you know, a, a hybrid, I guess, uh, of working, that's going to be what it is moving forward. That's what's going to be moving forward. I think we need to realize that although many of us are encouraged that we are emerging from the pandemic, it is still very real that people are getting COVID. There are still many deaths in our province, and we need to be aware of the fact that there's people that are recovering, and it's taking a long time to get over some of the symptoms of COVID, and people are taking care of their families. So there's a lot that we need to recognize, and this type of a hybrid solution is simply respecting the fact that our lives are different than they used to be. And I think workers want different different balances, right? I mean, I think a lot of people just don't want to go back to the office. So it seems this is a good way to to get a little bit of both. Yeah, and I think it's it's that idea of balance too, Sue. We have seen a lot of parents now who are able to put a little bit of flexibility into their lives and juggle childcare with um, the idea of working from home. So I think we're just realizing how we are performing at our best and the type of accommodations that we need to make to do that. Yeah, and if you want to be a progressive business and attract the best people, you have to be able to uh, to give and take, right? So I think it makes sense. Um, I just want to also ask you about this before we let you go. Coyotes. So we had a serious attack in Calgary. There's now been one in Edmonton. Anything that the city is looking at at this point? I can tell you that coyotes um, continue to be um, something that, you know, is talked about in a lot of neighborhoods, including ours. You know, Sue, you and I live in north central Calgary. Mm-hmm. Um, it is something that our, our officers take very seriously. Ultimately, you know, we have um, infringed on the natural habitat of these animals and they are responding and reacting in ways that they're trying to protect themselves and they're young. Uh, but we've got to figure out a way that um, attacks on people uh, are limited. So I know that the biodiversity team looks at solutions and tries to figure out what to do. And sometimes the animal has to be put down. Other times there's other ways to mitigate it. So I know that they're on top of this. Perfect. Thank you very much. Have fun in Regina. Thanks so much for joining us from the road. Thanks. Have a great weekend. Appreciate it. You too. Have a great weekend. That is Mayor Jyoti Gondek.
Do you know a local business deserving of a Calgary Small Business Award? With details on it, we're joined this morning by Ruhi Ishmael Deja, Calgary Chamber Director of Policy and Communications. Good morning to you, Ruhi. Thanks for joining us. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Okay, so let's talk about this. Uh, Calgary Small Business Awards. Tell us a little bit about how this kind of all rolls out and what it looks like. Yeah, Small Business Awards basically celebrate the impact and the importance of small businesses. They're a highlight reel for a lot of the exciting things happening in every corner in of our city and in every sector. And so we've got... Uh, We've got nominations open now, and it's a way to support local that won't cost you a cent. So we do encourage you to to frequent local businesses. And nominating your favorite small business has a big impact. Uh, So nominations are open until August 19th. And then we've got a big celebration on October 21st, where we'll celebrate all that small businesses do for our city. And and they do so very much. It's been a tough couple of years for small businesses, particularly. So, I mean, you mentioned it, but what, what does it do for a small business when you get a nomination like this? Small businesses often don't have the the marketing departments uh, that uh, that a lot of the bigger organizations have, and so nominating your favorite small business really does have a big impact to them, and it helps amplify uh, the small businesses in our city. And uh, you can nominate yourself too. So for all the small businesses out there, you can uh, you can head to calgarychamber.com and nominate you, nominate your friends. The more nominations, uh, the better. Why not nominate yourself? Heck yeah. You you put in the work, you should nominate. So are we talking literally any small business? Are there any criteria around it? Uh, We've got eight different awards. So there's lots of celebration to go around uh, and fewer than 100 full-time equivalent employees. But each of the eight awards has uh, a few different criteria and a few different things that make it really worth celebrating. Do you have any past stories you can tell us, success stories of a, maybe a local small business that was honored in these awards and, and really kind of it, it, it paid off for them in the long run? Yeah, we have. We've been doing this for quite a few years and through the pandemic, we actually had uh, resiliency awards that were sort of like a, a bit of a twist on our small business awards. So we celebrated quite a few. Uh, one of the big ones that we've talked about lots recently is Local Laundry. Uh, they're doing lots of great stuff in the community. They've been doing fundraisers to support uh, Ukraine. They've really seen a huge spike in uh, the number of people that are supporting local through the pandemic. And so we're working to make sure that that momentum continues throughout the year. Okay, as you said, nominating, it's easy, it's free, it's a great way to support local. How do people nominate a small business? You head to calgarychamber.com and all of the information will be right there. It'll take less than five minutes and there's 55,000 small businesses right here in Calgary and all of them deserve celebrating. So I encourage all of you to to head to our website. 55,000, really? Incredible. That is yeah. incredible. I mean, you just even think about, you know, in your own community, how many small businesses there are and then multiply that around this great city of ours. Okay, so again, reminder, the Small Business Awards Gala, October 21st. Can people go to that if they want to? Absolutely. Okay. The more the merrier. Excellent. All the details, once again, at calgarychamber.com. Thank you so much for joining us, Ruhi. Have a great weekend. Thank you. You too. Thanks. Ruhi Ishmael Teja is the uh, Calgary Chamber Director of Policy and Communications.
The United States has seen 268 shootings so far in 2022. And now Tulsa, Oklahoma has joined the sad fraternity of recent shootings in the U.S. Joining us to talk about this latest news and all that's going on south of the border is Jackson Prosco, Global News Washington Bureau Chief. Hi, Jackson. Good morning. Welcome. Happy Friday to you. Sadly, we have to talk about this again. This time it's a different one, but it is another shooting, this time in Tulsa, Oklahoma. What do we know on this case, the latest mass shooting in the U.S.? Yeah, Sue, in this case, it seems like a patient from that hospital who blamed uh, his doctor for pain he suffered following back surgery and went in and killed his doctor, also killed another doctor, a patient, and a receptionist in the hospital. Uh, He had purchased the weapon used in this, allegedly, just a few days beforehand, another AR-15-style assault rifle. Uh, And really, what it highlights is that if nothing changes, nothing changes. And in this case, that means that the access to those types of weapons, the easy availability of them, means that these types of events will continue to happen in the U.S. You know, it was interesting, uh, Jackson, after the, you know, the shootings in Buffalo and Uvalde, Texas, obviously the Texas one was certainly, you know, still being questioned as to the actions by law enforcement. And when I saw, I think it was the, maybe the police chief who came on after this Tulsa shooting and said, in this case, we went in immediately and, and brought this under control. So I, it, clearly the Texas shooting is still, it's reverberating, isn't it, as people try to figure out what took so long for them to go in. Yeah, you know, I think different set of circumstances with all of these different events, but uh, for sure, there are a lot of questions and a lot of anger over how the Uvalde shooting was happened. And there's some suggestion uh, just in the past few days here that those 911 calls that were coming from students inside the classroom uh, saying that they needed help and that uh, they were asking where the police were, uh, that those calls may not have been relayed to the school police department, which is who was handling the response there. So it just sounds like, you know, one hand didn't talk to the other in this Mm -hmm. case, doesn't it? It, it, Absolutely. Will it result in changes, do you think, in just in terms of of how, uh, you know, the the conversation goes and and the communication goes? You know, uh, there was that that uh, speech from President Biden last night really calling for changes when it comes to gun control measures in this country in terms of how police sort of respond to these things. That's a, that's a very good question. And I think, you know, one of the things that's been exposed by these uh, the incidents both here and in Buffalo is that the access not only to high powered weapons, but also in many cases to body armor really complicates the police response. So even if you do have a, a by the book proper police response or an armed guard on the scene, as we had in Buffalo, their ability to actually stop a shooter, stop an attack, is really limited by the the power of the weapon that these people have access to. And we know, obviously, there are very it's few and far between in terms of the, the gun control. But so what about body armor? Is that something that's easily accessible? And are there any thoughts of putting sort of rules into place for that? It is. You know, it's not really part of the conversation, but uh, kind of reflect back on points made by a uh, 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 a person who was uh, actually uh, pro-gun, part of the gun community, and has really sort of distanced himself now from the NRA. He's based in Montana, and he points out that when he joined the NRA and used to go to conventions, there were no tactical-style weapons. There were no military-style weapons at the NRA convention. And now when you look at the event that took place in Houston last week, the NRA convention, uh, lots of those types of weapons and weaponry on display. And so really sort of wondering what's happened to America's gun culture that it's moved in that direction. Okay, so the president's talked about it, Jackson, but any progress at all being made towards any kind of gun control legislation or the background checks, etc.? 
you know, we will likely see the House here in Washington pass some measures, uh, perhaps looking at red flag laws where people who are flagged as having issues may be prevented from buying guns. Uh, there, you may see a move to try and increase the minimum age to purchase an AR-15 style assault rifle from 18 to 21. But the question is, will those pass with Republicans in the Senate? Remember, you need 60 votes to get anything done there. And that's the part that seems highly unlikely. And still looks like a lot of the Republicans, they, they won't get on board with any of it, hey? No, no interest in getting on board. I think what's interesting is that the sort of standard Republican talking points here, if you hear them from the likes of, say, Senator Ted Cruz, to believe those talking points, you have to ignore the fact that what's happening in America only happens in America. Mm -hmm. This does not happen in other countries. And, of course, that's the part that they do not want to talk about. They make it seem as though it's a societal issue that is broad and widespread. But at the end of the day, it's the easy access to guns here that is uniquely American and leads to this uniquely American phenomenon. Yeah, still makes us shake our heads here in Canada. Uh, let's turn to the Ukraine and the U.S. sending more military aid, specifically drones and, and rocket launchers, to that war-torn country. Russia says they're adding fuel to the fire. What's the latest from the president? Yeah, here we are 100 days since the Russian invasion of Ukraine. And Russia is starting to make gains, of course, in the east of that country. And that's really sort of amping up the urgency for uh, the types of weapons that the U.S. can provide to beat back the Russian advances. You know, the U.S. is in a tough spot here, as they have been all along, where they want to back the Ukrainians. They don't want to poke the bear with the Russians. Uh, and so really the focus is on supplying weapons that can be used to repel Russians within Ukraine and not allow Ukraine to attack Russia. That's sort of the fine line they're walking here. President Biden also uh, announced this morning planning to travel to Saudi Arabia to try and rebuild some relations in that country. Why so? Yeah, of course, the context here is oil prices and the price at the pump here continues to set daily all time highs day after day after day went up uh, 56 cents. Uh, per gallon just in the past week here. That's a pretty substantial increase. And so, of course, uh, Biden hoping that if he can smooth things over with the Saudis, that perhaps he can convince them to increase the output of oil and potentially try and bring down gas prices. And also seeing, uh, Jackson, this morning, some uh, uh, jobs numbers coming in. Yeah, you know, they continue to be a little softer, I think, than the White House would hope. But at the end of the day, we are almost at full employment here in this country. And if anything, there's a labor shortage. If you want a job right now, you can have one. Uh, and that, of course, is part of the red hot economy right now that is leading to issues like record inflation. So the question is, how do you cool down the economy, uh, keep people employed? And uh, of course, plenty of concern that we may be headed for a recession here at some point in the near future. So uh, everyone watching this all very closely. Uh, we have our first confirmed case of monkeypox in Alberta and multiple cases in the, the country. But is there any talk of monkeypox in the U.S. right now? Anybody starting to feel alarmed or do you have any, any cases that are popping up? You know, there are a limited number of cases here as there are in Canada, and it's something that's being watched uh, really closely at this point. But I, I don't think there's any sense that it's caused for broader alarm mm -hmm. or broader concern at this point. Uh, the U.S. actually has a stockpile, uh, one dose for every American of smallpox vaccine, which, of course, is highly effective against monkeypox. So they do have the ability to vaccinate. They've started releasing vaccine stockpile for healthcare workers who need it. But that's uh, about as far as the concern goes right now. Any big plans for the weekend? Are you heading to the UK to party with the Queen? Or <laughs> uh, My life is not that exciting, but, you know, great weekend to relax and uh, enjoy the, the start of D.C. summer. Well, fantastic. Enjoy. Have a wonderful weekend. Thanks, as always, for joining us. Take care. Appreciate it. That is Jackson Prosco, of course, Global News Washington Bureau Chief. And uh, as you may know, it is certainly uh, party time in the UK. They are celebrating the Queen's Jubilee, 70 years on the throne. Now, the Queen is not attending services and uh, any of the, the parties, as it were, today.
She's feeling a little tired from yesterday. Let's face it, she's 96 years old. She can skip a day if she darn well wants to. Her son, Prince Charles, will be on hand for today's events. And then the Queen will be in the house. She will be partying through the weekend. They have a huge, huge weekend of festivities. Saturday night, big party with Elton John. Uh, they also will have, you know, a Queen is playing with Adam Lambert. So it should be a lot of fun as, uh, you know, the world celebrates the 96-year-old monarch and her 70 years on the throne. And by the way, Harry and Meghan will be making an appearance. Back to business for so many and to help you get the most success from your people and your business, we've got hot tips and tricks from a PR expert joining us this morning, Ellen Parker, CEO and owner of Parker PR. Hi, Ellen. Happy Friday. Happy Friday, Sue. Thanks for having me. Lots to talk about today. And, you know, now that offices are starting to open up, teams are getting back together on site. It's important for leadership groups to be really mindful of new trends and the considerations for a healthy workplace, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. You know, work-life balance is so important, especially, you know, more than ever. Many people have been home for two years, two and a half years. So looking at your teams and understanding that maybe one size doesn't fit all for everybody right now. Some childcare issues may still be happening. People are going to have different needs. So it's important for us as leaders to be flexible and to set everyone up for success. So a few things around work-life balance, I say, is... Plan vacation times in advance to make sure everyone knows when they're allowed to go. There's no last-minute surprises. Set specific work hours for your team. Encourage your team to make post-work plans. You know, we've had a lot more flexibility in the last two years with our schedule. Mm -hmm. So encouraging those post-work plans to look forward to goes a long way. Determining achievable goals. We're not going to be meeting our KPIs immediately, like our pre-COVID goals. That's not going to happen overnight. So we need to just understand that and be respectful of that with our teams and, and make set realistic expectations. Um, one thing I think is important too, many of us are bringing on interns for the summer. Give them a designated workspace. I was an intern once and I was working all over the office. Every day was a new, a new journey. And set them up for success by giving them their own space to feel really valued. Um, being good to your team, good to yourself, the whole thing, get dressed for work, look good, feel good, takes just as much time to put on a pair of sweats as it does a pair of slacks, right? That's true, fair <laughs> enough. We don't like slacks so much anymore, but I hear you. Uh, yeah, let's talk about um, you know good morale, and, and there's, there, there's a lot that can encompass that, right? Whether it's you know celebrating a birthday or letting people yeah. participate in, in cultural or social occasions. Absolutely. These are just such easy wins. Understand your team and what makes them tick. Birthdays are so easy to just be mindful of. Give them a gift card to their favorite restaurant, a box of chocolates. Really easy ways to make people feel valued and appreciated when they're enjoying their time at work. They will perform better and it will really be a win-win. And this should apply to clients and team members and your stakeholders as well. With respect to the community at large, Stampede is coming up. So, you know, there are tons of free Stampede breakfasts. Take your team to the Stampede. Encourage them to have camaraderie outside of the office. And also, as a leader, look at what's happening on a bigger scale. Like, we have a war in the Ukraine right now. Tell them about events that they can participate in. My family has brought a Ukrainian family into our home. Kensington is really stepping up. 
There's something on June 11th from noon to three for people to come and support Ukraine. Even telling your team members about things like this happening in the community is really impactful and shows kind of the values of your business. Yeah, I love that for sure. Okay, and finally, before we let you go, being open to ideas that come from all the members of your team, right? Hugely important. Mm, hugely. And now is a time where I think we just need to we need to be so caring and kind and understand that everybody everybody might be a little sensitive, and that is okay. And this can apply to anything from mask wearing, not mask wearing. You know, both are fine. Your own, your age, if you're single versus if you're married, if you have kids, if you don't, your race, your politics, your religion, you know, your pronouns. These are things that we just have to be caring, be understanding. Everything can solicit judgment, so don't participate in judgment. It's just, it's, it's a time and it's a good reminder always to be kind and caring, but especially now just know that it's okay for teams to feel a little bit vulnerable and to, and to know that and just to be sensitive to it. Great tips, great reminders, especially at this time of the year, for sure. Thank you so much for your time this morning. Thanks so much, Sue. Have a great weekend. You too, Ellen. That's Ellen Parker, CEO and owner of Parker PR. You can go online and find out more at parkerpr.ca. Thanks for downloading and listening to the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review for free at Apple Podcast, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts. And tune in to Mornings with Sue and Andy from 530 to 9 every weekday morning on 770 CHQR.